partner up on some deals. And then after you partner up on them, then you get to see how they work, what they're like, if there are any challenges in the deal, what type of character do they have? How do they react to mistakes that are made on the team or issues that take place real quick before the episode i want to give you a gift of 25 percent off and that gift actually is from transunion smart move go to tenantscreening.com create a free account enter the code fairless at checkout for 25 percent off your next screening because as landlords we tend to be most concerned with getting paid on time you might also know that hundreds of thousands of landlords have to deal with the headaches of evicting tenants each year Evicting a tenant can be painful, costing as much as $10,000 in court costs and legal fees, and take as long as four weeks to complete. What if there's a trusted way to help prevent the headaches of dealing with evicting a tenant? Make the smart move right from the start. Smart Move's online tenant screening solution can help you quickly understand if you're getting a reliable tenant, which will help you avoid potential problems such as non-payment and evictions. For a limited time, listeners of this podcast are invited to try Smart Move tenant screening for 25% off. Here's how Smart Move can help you find your next great tenant. Make a more informed decision with Smart Move's proprietary credit score built specifically for tenant screening, which predicts evictions 15% better than a typical credit score. Reduce non-payment risk with Smart Move's Income Insights Report, which enables you to analyze the applicant's income within minutes and determine if additional income verification is needed. Get critical information quickly with a full credit report, criminal background, and eviction history report. With over 5 million screenings completed, SmartMove can help you make a better leasing decision for your rental property. If you own a rental property, SmartMove can help you identify the right renter from the start so you can avoid the problems of non-payment or evictions. Don't put yourself at risk. Go to tenantscreening.com, create a free account, enter the code FAIRLESS at checkout for 25% off your next screening. With TransUnion Smart Move, you'll get great reports, great convenience, great tenants. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. Got follow along Friday. I'm with Mr. Theo Hicks. He's going to talk about two lessons he learned from the interviews that he did last week. And we're going to obviously apply this to you as to help you with your real estate endeavors. So let's go ahead and get right into it, Theo. All right. So Joe mentioned I did the interviews last week. Lots of good conversations. Again, as Joe always says, I learned way more than this. These are just the two that kind of stuck out to me the most. I kind of thought were interesting and wanted to, to bring up on the episode today. So one interview was with Donato. His name was Donato. I asked him if he was any relation to Donato's pizza. He said no, but one of his answers to the best ever lightning round was if he were to lose everything and had to start over, he would start a pizza place. <laughs> That's just his first name. But Donato, is, he's a managing partner at DXE Properties. He's managed projects over $3 billion, and he builds skyscrapers for a living, which I thought was in and itself interesting because I've never met someone who builds multi-hundreds, tens to hundreds, you know, billion-dollar projects. So I asked him, how did you get into the industry? How did you know you wanted to do this? And how does one get into a development team to build these skyscrapers? And uh, specifically, he was able to be on the team that built one of the tallest skyscrapers in New York. Mm. And what he said is that first he went to school for engineering. And then based off of that education that he received, he was able to work for a smaller construction firm. So he was able to intern for a smaller owner who developed smaller projects in New York City. And because of that experience they gained from that, he was able to get picked up on larger projects of the skyscraper. So he said that 
the smaller partner that he worked for, one of the people that invested in that company was this larger construction company. And they kind of saw him and saw how well he was doing and asked him if he wanted to join their team. And he did a few projects at first. He actually worked on Yankee Stadium as well as Madison Square Garden, which eventually allowed him to get pulled out of this like super intense team for building this huge skyscraper. And the reason I thought it was interesting is because we always talk about how do you break into the industry, what do you need to do to get into the industry, and we always say education and experience. And that's literally exactly what he did. He got the education from engineering school as well as working at a smaller firm. And he also got, obviously, the experience from that, which is able to leverage both of those to literally work on one of the biggest projects in New York City history. Yeah, and it sounds like he was a shining example within the group that he was working of how to do your job the right way. And then he got handpicked to then go somewhere else and, and do well. Yeah, exactly. It's always amazing to hear the, the intern to working on this massive skyscraper. And then something else he talked about too was about uh, partnering. So once he worked on all these skyscrapers, he wanted to transition into doing his own deals for all the reasons why people like doing their own deals from more control, more upside. And uh, he partnered up with a friend. So I asked him some advice on partnerships in general, but more particular, how do you know if your friend is the right person to partner up with? Because yeah, sure, you guys could hang out at the bar or whatever, or work out together, but going to business together is kind of a completely different animal. And he just said that they literally just did deals together where they had their own entities for a full year first, just to test the waters, make sure that they could actually work together. And then once they realized that, okay, we could work together, they made an entity together and then had a really, really strong operating agreement to make sure that things continued to go smoothly moving forward. So this is a few tips on partnering as well. Yeah, such a relevant tip because I get that question a lot and I'm sure you come across it a lot too. People ask, how do I know this is the right partner? How do I know that I should create a business with them? And the, the answer is you shouldn't initially do any of that. You should simply do what Donato mentioned. Donato's his first name? Yeah. Okay. You simply do what Donato mentioned and have separate entities when you're starting out and partner up on some deals. And then after you partner up on them, then you get to see how they work, what they're like, if there are any challenges in the deal, what type of character do they have, how do they react to mistakes that are made on the team or issues that take place. What do they prioritize? Do they prioritize their self? Do they prioritize the business? Do they prioritize the investors? Do they just not focus as much on the business, on the deal? There's all sorts of things that we've got to find out about potential partners. What's their communication style? Can I get a hold of them? Do I want to get a hold of them? Do I need to get a hold of them? Is that something that's important to me? Are they always texting me whenever I'm trying to call them and they don't answer? And there's all sorts of stuff. And it's impossible to know mm-hmm. what person is going to be a good business partner when you haven't done deals with them. Even if you're, as you said, drinking buddies or something, you just don't know what it's going to be like when there's a snowstorm and all the pipes burst and now you have to file an insurance claim and you've got people who need to get into new apartments because of that. And you've got to coordinate with the management company and it's just all hands on deck. You just don't know. Or a hurricane comes in the market that you're in and increases the prices of contract labor. And then as a result, your budget goes up. So now how do you handle that? What do you do? Just simply date instead of going straight to proposing and getting married with potential partners and be intentional about it because 
This also applies to people who are creating podcasts or thought leadership platforms like YouTube channels or blogs or whatever else. I see this mistake happen time and time again where people make their podcast dependent on having a co-host because they're quote-unquote business partners. Well, one of you is likely going to flake out. That's just how it is. One of you is going to have more drive than the other as it relates to the thought leadership platform. So if you're creating something, don't make it reliant on someone else. Just I'm going to create this and then whenever you come on the show or whenever I interview or whenever you write a blog post, we're going to be even better together and it's going to be a dynamic duo, but I'm going to go ahead and take the lead on this. And same with the business partnership stuff, especially starting out. Then once you get a feel for them and if you do like all the stuff that you experience with them, then you can get more and more deeper and deeper relationship with them and then do something formal. It's really solid advice. So just one thing to add before we move on to the next lesson. I think this advice obviously applies to all types of partnership, but this is how I felt. I know a lot of people feel the same way too. When you first find out about real estate, you're really excited and you'll go and you'll tell someone else, or maybe they tell you and you're both like really excited about real estate. And then you say, Oh, how are we going to start? Should we do it individually? Oh no, let's just partner up. I feel like that is where you're going to run into a lot of problems because you're in that, let's call it the honeymoon phase or whatever, when you're both super jacked up about real estate. And so you're both aren't acting how you would act in the long term. They'll be able to act that way for years on end. And so that's why instead of partnering up instantly, kind of keep things separate so that once that honeymoon phases, you can see how the other person really is and technically see how you really are as well. And see yeah. if at the end of the day, obviously you want someone who's going to have as much drive as you, but also if you're honest with yourself, if you see that you're not having as much drive as them, then it's not really fair to them and you're not really setting yourself up for success in the long term they are actually outworking you. So I guess it kind of goes both ways. One other thing, more than four partners is way too many. More than three is pushing it. And the ideal partnerships, two people. Mm -hmm. And I see that mistake all the time. Now on the record, I want to be on the record of saying having four people in a partnership that can work. Having three people can work. Just saying the more people you introduce to a partnership, the more complicated it gets because there are more people. So it's just purely a human dynamic. Mm-hmm. And it's just something to keep in mind. Exactly. All right. So lesson number two, I guess that was 1A and 1B. So here's 2A and 2B. So I interviewed uh, Chris Salerno, who actually I think works with you, Joe. Uh, yeah, he client is my program. a very successful real estate agent. By the age of 25, he has sold more than $40 million. He was the number one salesperson on his team in North Carolina. Charlotte, actually, right? In Charlotte. was actually named to Charlotte's 30 under 30. And then he transitioned from being an agent to raising capital for deals. And and the two things that he that talked about, um, one of them I thought was great, was that that was really funny. So I asked him how was he able to obviously lead his team at such a, a young age. And he mentioned that before he was even a manager or any sort of a success, he started working with a company and he goes to the person in charge and asks for the, the P&L, the profit and loss statement for the company. Whoa. And, then, and then literally like reads through it and, and finds all the different inefficiencies and then goes back to the boss, presents what they need to do in order to fix this marketing line item, this advertising line item. So obviously that of itself is awesome. Hey, um, I never heard that's bold. Nice yeah, work. Bold. <laughs> and, and, and props to the boss for being open-minded enough to one, give the PL to Chris at that time, and then two, to listen to advice from someone who probably didn't have experience doing that stuff. Yeah, so he just mentioned that before this, he really enjoyed studying businesses that had failed. 
And he looked at his real estate company that he worked for as well as value add deals at failing businesses. When you look at the PL, like, all right, this business is failing. How can I turn this around? But besides just like looking at the PL, I guess the, the overall lesson, I know we've talked about this before, but a lot of people ask, how do I get some successful investor to let me work for them? And we always say that you need to proactively add value to their business. And this is like a perfect example of him doing something that's not in his job description whatsoever. He didn't have to do this, but he wanted to do it. And he knew that it would be adding value to his company. It'd probably make his boss look really well if his boss then took that and presented that to his boss. And then ultimately, because of this, he was able to work his way up through that company and was able to be the number one real estate agent in that company. Mm -hmm. I thought that was interesting. And then the second one, you talked about how he transitioned into raising capital. It's something interesting they said that I want to get your take on, Joe. So he has this massive list of, let's say, a thousand investors. And then he finds a deal. He presents that deal to the investors and maybe 20% of them are on board. They invest. Another 50% say, you know, I have no interest whatsoever. And then maybe another 30% says, hey, this is your first deal. I want to see how this deal does first. And then I might invest in the next deal. So what he did is instead of segmenting off that 20% only that's investing in the deal and then providing them with ongoing updates. He also included that percentage of people that said, I want to see how this deal goes first so that if it does goes well, I can invest in the next deal. Then uh, I thought he was doing it for the fear of missing out. I keep seeing all these updates on how great the deal is going. But for him, he just wanted to educate them on the process. And I guess in a sense of fear of missing out, show them that he knows what he's doing. He is credible. The deal went smoothly. And uh, hopefully that increases the chances of them investing on the next deal. So I, I thought that was interesting. I was curious to see what, what your thoughts were on that. It's a savvy move. I hadn't thought of doing that. So therefore I have not done that. And I think that's a really good idea and props him for that. And again, this was specifically in the context of him doing his first deal. And the reason why they didn't want to invest because he hadn't done a deal before. I thought that was interesting strategy to, I guess not necessarily help you with your first deal, but help you with your second deal. <laughs> Get more yeah. Money your second deal. Yeah. And one thing I noticed about Chris is he puts himself in a position to build long-term relationships. And then he delivers on adding value to those people who he puts himself in their company. I just seen him time and time again, because again, he's in my private consulting program. So I've seen him time and time again, place himself in relationship with others who are playing at a different level. And then he adds value to their life. And then it makes people want to root for him, want him to be successful. And oh, by the way, they are also achieving more success because he's being more successful because he continually gives value back to them. So he just does a really good job, not a really good, he does an outstanding job of building long-term relationships and adding value to people who are within a circle. And he's got tremendous drive and just, mm -hmm. just uh, very tenacious. So those are qualities that it takes to be successful in any business and especially apartment syndication. Yeah, but when that interview comes out in the next few months, we went over a few examples of what you just mentioned about him adding value to relationships and being very successful because of it. So those are the two lessons moving on to the trivia question. So Joe, you haven't been here the past two months, but it's International Trivia Question Month. So we're playing Jeopardy. <laughs> the, uh, we have, we have a theme every month now. This is... Yep. So okay. right, now, right now we're, we're on International for 300. So, <laughs> so last week's question was, what global city has the highest monthly rent? And this was based off of the two-bedroom rent. 
I can't remember what Danny says. I don't want to throw him under the bus, but I thought he might have mentioned a country, not a city. Could be wrong. <laughs> You're going to fact check me on that one next, next week. I thought he said Singapore. You, you I, realize 99.5% of our audience are U.S.-based, right? Yeah. I, yeah I okay. All right. There's fun trivia questions. I know. I'm for me. So the answer was actually Hong Kong. Um, so I believe second place was San Francisco. So Hong Kong and San Francisco are the only two cities in the world that have an average monthly rent for two bedrooms over three grand. Dang. Um, I think San Francisco was like in the 3,100 range, and then – Hong Kong is actually thirty six eighty five in U.S. dollars. There was a rumor. I have a client who lives in California, and I haven't looked into this, but he owns more than $10 million worth of real estate in California. So I assume he's well plugged into this. And what he told me is there's something on a ballot in California to make California rent controlled option for local municipalities to then vote and say, yeah, we want this to be rent control, similar to what New York did. Mm, interesting. Uh, that would put a stop to San Francisco being at the top of this list with yeah. Hong Kong. And so this week's question is, what country has the highest percentage of renters? Now, before you answer, Joe, last week I got more specifically with the questions just because there's a lot of countries. So this is a European country. So it kind of narrows down slightly. Yeah. Um, France. France. All right. So the winner of this question gets a free copy of our first book. You submit your answer to this question either at info at Joe Fairless or in the YouTube comments below. And we will go over the answer next week. Uh, lastly, to wrap it up, we are going to discuss the free apartment syndication resource of the week. So make sure you check out Syndication School, which is a free podcast series we do each week where we go over some specific aspect of the apartment syndication investment strategy. And we are always giving away free documents that accompany each of those episodes. And we're going to go over those on Halloween Friday so that everyone can take advantage of those. So for episodes 1527 and 1528, we went over how to perform an in-depth analysis on your target investment market. So you pick a market, and this is when you understand that market on a street-by-street, neighborhood-by-neighborhood level. And one of the ways to do that is you literally find a list of 200 plus properties and track all the different rent factors when it was built, things like that about that property. And in order to do so, you need a spreadsheet and we provide you with that spreadsheet. It's called the property comparison tracker. So you can find that either in the show notes of 1527 and 1528 or in the show notes of this episode that you're listening to today. Well, thank you for that, Theo. And best ever listeners enjoyed our conversation and hope you got a lot of value from it. And we'll talk to you tomorrow. If you own a rental property, TransUnion Smart Move can help you identify the right renter from the start so you can avoid the problems of non-payment or evictions. Don't put yourself at risk. Go to tenantscreening.com, create a free account, enter the code FAIRLESS at checkout for 25% off your next screening. With TransUnion Smart Move, you'll get great reports, great convenience, great tenants. Best ever listeners, we have launched bestevercauses.com. That's bestevercauses.com. We profile a nonprofit or a cause that is near and dear to our heart, get the word out about their cause and also donate money towards their cause. If you'd like to, one, learn more about the causes that we're profiling, we do one a month, then go to bestevercauses.com. And if you want to suggest a cause that we profile that is near and dear to your heart, then go to bestevercauses.com and there's a little form at the bottom of the page where you can submit one and we'll check it out.